Okay. So I'm actually going to start. I'm going to start with a quote uh, from John Baptiste Alfonso Carr, who wrote a quote that many of us know: "The more things change, the more they stay the same." So, uh, and partly Valentine's quite a good day to do that. Walking through uh, Martin Place this morning, there's everyone walking around with flowers. You, I guess you could send flowers uh, through an emoji, but it seems people are still saying, "You know what? Some things don't change." I'm happy to uh, buy a red rose and uh, give it to whoever it might be. Uh, but I look back at 2018, and like it was a different year for us working in reputation. You can imagine it's been a little busy, uh, with a, a few financial services companies struggling uh, a little. Uh, so when I look at that quote, my real question is, is it true or is it not true? Is it a case that really things underneath are pretty much as they were? They may look different, but is it the same? Or have things truly changed? So if I think about this sector... Have I got to turn it on? No, no, Got it. From my own personal perspective, if I'd been standing here 15 years ago or 20 years ago, the way that at least people can raise money, can access the community, has completely changed. Uh, you know, previously your competition were mainly maybe the other 39 companies on our on our list, uh, 39 organisations on the, on your, on our list. But you go now, you're competing with someone that's just decided, you know what, I'm going to go by myself. I'm going to put my photo up. I'm going to put on, go on Facebook. I'll send it around. I don't need to go through any other uh, system. So from that perspective, for me, it, it really has changed. And I look at my own personal life. I think I might have mentioned it last year. Uh, in the Jewish community, charity seems to be all over the place. The idea that somebody is basically, for every dollar you give, you've got three or four others matching that. So it feels great when you give $200 and it says you've given $800. Uh, or if someone gives $250, suddenly I've given $1,000. I haven't, but I feel like I have. Uh, and so that whole process has changed the way uh, that money is raised and therefore has also changed the way that people look at what is charities, what are charitable roles. And so the question is, if that's changed, what about some of the other components? So, you know, when we look at the way that leaders are viewed, it's completely different. This was the front page of the day the Royal Commission report came out for the Herald Sun in Melbourne. Uh, I did feel a bit like putting a cross through the middle, going fired, and we'll see, uh, <laughs> see where we go with the, with the other four. Uh, but clearly, we've got these number of things going on out there. We've got this talk of loss of trust in corporates. And I have read so many articles in the last year that Australians no longer trust politicians. They no longer trust any organisation. So the question is, is it true? Because we assume it's true, but is it actually true that people have lost trust in all corporates? And what sort of effect has that actually had on the not-for-profit sector? Because we can look at that. By measuring 40, we can start to have a look at what's the average score this year, last year, and the year before? Has it gone down? Are people more cynical? Has it gone up? Are people going, well, you're not like these guys, so I trust you more? So what I wanted to talk about today was a whole range of different aspects that uh, I think are key to understanding the mindset of the community uh, and also to say what's changed and what hasn't changed. So a quick reminder for those of you who haven't been here before or may not have thought about it in the last 12 months, how do we define reputation? I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the reputation of the industry, the reputation of the sector, the reputation of Royal Flying Doctor Service. What do we mean by reputation? From our perspective, it's a sense of trust, admiration, respect, good feeling. It's an emotional attachment that I as an individual have for an organization. Uh, we ask the community in this case those four questions about organizations they're familiar with. 
uh, and we create a score ranging everywhere from zero up to 100. Uh, I'm not spoiling anything to say that RFDS managed to top and they have received over the years the highest score that any organization has ever got which is a 96 uh, out, of, out of 100. Uh, in terms of the lowest score uh, it's still held from a company from 2008 which is the Australian Wheat Board. Uh, as, as I say that each year, there's less and less people in the room who know who they are or what happened. So I now have to explain it, uh, what that is. So they were the monopoly on selling wheat for Australia overseas. They got caught basically selling to Saddam Hussein during the uh, breaking sanctions. And the CEO got caught shirtless, uh, holding a gun, pointing it just like that on the front page of the Herald and the Age. Uh, so that got them a 28. Uh, uh, <laughs> 28. They still got 28. There you go. Uh, what, what is interesting is AMP uh, gave it a bit of a shake, but only in the 40s. And Cricket Australia gave it a bit of a shake this year, but didn't get anywhere, anywhere in the low 30s. So uh, that's our spread. I'm going to talk a little bit later about which corporates rank high, because that's obviously, I would imagine, interesting for you to who you partner with. But having done this for 10 years in Australia, we have a wide range of uh, I guess examples and history and trends uh, on those particular metrics. But to understand why a score is high or low, uh, you know, it's great to have a score. We're, we're 90, we're 80, we're 85. What moves it? What is the key driver of it? And so you can see for us there's seven key areas. The services you produce. So your actual product, your service uh, that you actually deliver. Are you seen as innovative? Uh, what about as a place to work? Are you seen as, do you treat your employees well? Is it a good place to work? What we call governance, are you seen as ethical, transparent in the way you behave? You can imagine those, that's the dimension that's taken the biggest hit uh, among the financial services companies. Citizenship, meaningful contribution that improves society. Uh, I'm going to talk about that later. One of the key things we see for a number of the charities that are lower down the list, still good reputation, but one of the challenges is for the community, what is their contribution? And so I've sat in a number of organizations and I said, Think of it this way, flip the question the other way around. If you no longer operated in Australia, why would we as Australians be worse off? Right? It can be a global view, but what would be worse for us if you were no longer here? And for some organizations, they do so many things and it's so broad, for the community, they struggle to answer that question. So we know that's that citizenship is the biggest driver as to what is that contribution. Uh, leadership, strong, visible leadership. I spoke last year about the uh, the, the rise of the CEO and the CEO rep track. I've got some Australian data which I'll share with you. And finally, cost management. Are you seen to manage your costs appropriately uh, for the organization? So, got seven components that I'm going to try and go through in about 15 minutes. Uh, and each one I'm going to talk about what's changed or what hasn't changed to try and give you that sense. So the first is I'm going to talk about industries as a whole. Is it true? We hear in the news all the time, there was a loss of trust in corporations. Is it true? Is it not true? Who are the top charities? Have they changed? Some have, some haven't. What about the drivers, those seven areas? Are some things becoming more important to the community? Do you need to increase communication in those areas? What about how old the charity is? We heard 60 years, uh, and RFDS celebrated a, a big milestone in the last year. Is there a relationship between how old a charity is and its reputation, or not? Uh, most trusted media. What's the community think about it at the moment? Do they trust Facebook? Do they trust 2GB? Do they trust ABC? Where are we at at the moment? Uh, top companies and the importance of leadership. So let's go through industry trust. So I mentioned there's a lot of talk out there that the community distrusts everything. 
Good news, charity sector. What I've done here is I've taken the average of the 40 charities going back to 2011. As a researcher, that's one straight line. Right? There is not much going on there. There is no trend. So the great news for you is that from a community perspective, they trust you today as much as they did back in 2011. So that loss of trust, you don't need to worry about that. And why, what does it do? If you think you've lost trust or if the industry is under pressure, you become more conservative. You're less likely to try something different because you think, if I lift my head up, I'm going to get smashed. Let me keep it low. So the question is, what about corporates? What about the uh, you know, top 10 corporates? No change. So again, this talk out there of a loss of trust in corporates is actually not true. These are samples of thousands of people. We do it quarterly. We are not seeing. So whether it's a Qantas or a JB Hi-Fi. What about the average of the 60? Also, not seeing that big decline, maybe a touch in that last quarter. But really, uh, we're not seeing what has been reported out there. And, and the impact that I've seen speaking to organizations that sit within, the, within that group is they think their trust is down. And therefore, they're less willing to do something different. They're less willing to lift their head up. So I imagine for some of you, when you go meet with them and you've got this great idea, you might be more likely to hear at the moment, look, I'm not sure now's the right time. We just want to stick with what we've been doing. That's because, in my view, they're running off data that isn't necessarily correct or is asked at a very macro level. Do you trust business? People go, banks? No. Because what I can show you is they have lost trust in the banks. <laughs> right? So that drop is what you hear about in the media, but it hasn't flowed through to all the other corporates. So they, and my, my concern is, these groups here, they stop talking, they stop doing because they're nervous, and in the end, that will lead to a loss in trust because people are here, I haven't heard about them, why have they gone so quiet? So I guess, have things changed there? Not as much as you might actually think. What about the top charities? Uh, so there's our, there's our 40. Uh, again, charts are available uh, afterwards and willing to, obviously, we'll, we'll share them. Uh, the first thing to note is that, uh, as we said, RFDS has topped every year since 2011, which is when we started it. It is, a, it is an amazing result. I'm really looking forward to hearing what the secret is because everybody keeps asking me. Uh, but I, I was saying before, you know, to be, we've never seen in any of our studies here or overseas whether it's corporates or anything, a company just rank one every year. Uh, and I think you said there's only one way to go from one, but you've actually shown over seven years there's, there's another way, which is you just stay there. Uh, and so it, it is a, it is a, a really strong result uh, and obviously shows that emotional connection, but you have to also adapt. One of the things that I think about company that does well or organization that does well is, imagine if I was standing here and RFDS was 36, and I'd be saying, Look, obviously they were really relevant when it was about flying out to the bush. But yeah, look, disruption came, disrupted their thing. They didn't need it as much. It's now all technology. It's a shame. They used to have a great reputation. They didn't adapt. Didn't. So what you see is you have to continue to adapt. When you do, people don't actually notice it. They just go, of course, they've always had a great reputation. They've connected. But just because, you know, it, I think it's not assumed. There definitely is disruption to what you were doing uh, you know, all those years ago. The other one I just wanted to point out at the beginning was Lifeline, interestingly. The first time they've ranked in the top 10 uh, since, we've, uh, since, we've, since we've started it. And I had a quick look at their dimensions. The dimension they've improved is that citizenship one. They're not necessarily doing a whole lot 
differently maybe, but the way the community reports and the community understands what they do and their visibility on that has obviously helped to increase that perception and increase that reputation. And so uh, we see that sort of move, in, move into the top 10. There are plenty of stories. I don't have time to go through all of them, but obviously maybe some questions at the end. Uh, just to have a look there, what we did is, but has it changed? So we thought, let's look at the 2011 top 10 and let's have a look at the 2018 top 10. How much has it changed? So in some cases, you can see Royal Flying Doctor Service, eight out of eight years in the top 10. Guide Dogs, eight out of eight. St. John's, eight out of eight. They're the only three that have been in the top 10 every single year. But Starlight and National Breast Cancer Foundation and McGrath are pretty much there. Uh, but other ones have come in. Some of them have come in because their revenues have actually increased. They're bigger charities now uh, and they've been entered. But you know, generally, I would say there is, a, there is a strong level of consistency over this time. Uh, and not a lot of charities have really dropped out of the top 10 into that sort of 20 or 30. So I guess, again, in those first two components, the drivers, uh, the actual results are relatively stable. So I guess two for two, no, not as much change as you might expect, considering the technology advances, the new charity uh, entering the sector, uh, I, I hope this is holding relatively stable. And we've just got here where the rankings are. And one of the reasons that you see that many of the charities holding is because they don't have a reputation based on only one dimension. You know, it's not that they're seen as incredibly innovative, but I don't think they necessarily, I don't know about their vision for the future. So you see, for Carefied and RFDS, there's that breadth of reputation. So if there was to be an issue on one of those, we would say the reputation would be able to hold through that. Whereas I look at something like in the corporate space, Apple, very much built on leadership and innovation and product. And when leadership disappeared somewhat, uh, none of their doing, uh, obviously, you know, when Steve Jobs passed away and, and had to leave, they didn't have the citizenship and the governance components that they were viewed on that were as strong, and it's actually meant that reputation's declined a little bit over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, drivers, what about what's important for the community? Has that changed with new technology? We're talking, you know, getting close, we're seven, eight years. Has it changed? So here's, you can see, 2011, this is what's important to the people, and 2018, what's important now? So if you have a look, the top three drivers, Services, services, governance, governance, citizenship, citizenship. It's roughly the same. So again, there's a lot of talk. You know, what we did back in 2011, we can't do that again because the world has changed. It hasn't changed as much as you think. The media you use, the technology you use, of course that's changed. The way you can uh, reach people. But what people actually want is a great service, be honest and authentic, and obviously make that meaningful contribution. Those three components, uh, will be the key to creating a, a really strong, a really strong reputation. Uh, so when we were looking at that, we thought, okay, let's do something a little bit different, and let's have a look at the the impact of age. Because I don't really have age, but is meaningful contribution mean you've been doing it for a long time? Because I could have a theory that says if you've been doing it for a longer time, you should have a better reputation because you've got more proof. On the other hand, maybe you're seen as if you're new and innovative and agile that's actually going to drive. So uh, we went uh, and we went to sources, you know, Wikipedia and a range of your websites to try and find the age of a charity. So I'm going to put, I put this up because someone's going to correct me and say, no, we're, we're not in there. Now we had to make some decisions when people change names. Is that a new entity? Is it not a new entity? So we, di we did the best that we could. And then we said, okay, let's have a look at color code P 
people of different age, uh, the ages of the organization and actually have a look. And so based on our research, this was the age, I don't know if we got 60, do we get 60 right guys? 60 we did, that's very good. So uh, uh, 23rd there. So what we did is we looked and the first thing you notice is the colors are really all over the place. Uh, and interestingly, when we ran a correlation, those of you who are mathematically co you know, understand the correlation, the relationship between age and the score, not significant. So how old you are is not the key to a great reputation. You can be, you know, be 100 years old, and if you're seen to provide that meaningful contribution, you'll rank up the top. Or you can be 200 years old, or 140 years old, and relative to that, the community may not understand that contribution. I would never say they're not providing that contribution, but the community to the, doesn't necessarily appreciate it or can't narrow it down to really understand what that is. But I think importantly to say, you know, just because we've been around a long time, therefore we're going to have a great reputation, or just because we're new and different, we're going to have a great reputation, it's about really talking about what you do and what that contribution, what that contribution is. Okay. Trusted media. So if you want to build it, how do you actually get your message out? Who, and if you've got negative stories, how do you respond? Uh, again, so I speak to a lot of corporates who have a whole team uh, waiting for that negative tweet and they're onto it and they're responding. I guess most of you don't have a whole team to respond to every negative Facebook page or a story from a journalist that says, you know, the percentage of money going to the end, the person who needs it is too low. How much do you have to worry? Where do you actually have to be worried that the people are going to believe? So what we did last, uh, when was it? Last uh, February, March, we went out to the public and we said, for these uh, 20 odd media mastheads, how much do you trust the news from them? Uh, we'd, we'd seen a lot of talk about digital versus, versus uh, traditional, but we had people ask, let's just do ABC TV, ABC radio, Google, LinkedIn. Let's just ask the question of those specific ones. So. The top ones are those. So a few things to point out. ABC, government owned, ABC, SBS are up there. Our, our traditional media still sit there pretty strong. The Daily Telegraph isn't in there, notice. Uh, we, we, we didn't get any radio stations come in that top area. Google's really interesting because it's obviously digital. And if I go back, it's the only one that sits in the bottom right. And they. And they don't produce news, they just aggregate it, right? So, but people don't care. If it's number one on Google News, it's good, even if it's coming probably from a source that's somewhere else. When we go to least trusted, yeah, Fox News, no comment. Uh, but look at those four digital channels. First learning for us was, we, would have, we wouldn't have put LinkedIn with those. We would see LinkedIn, no, that's different. Community as a whole, it's just another digital thing. So I guess in the corporate world, we, we, we separate it to some degree. Uh, and, and, you know, quick story, I was asking my son uh, what he thought of Twitter. He's on Twitter, he's a 14-year-old. And he, uh, he said, oh, I'm not sure about it. I said, why? He said, well, uh, this was about a, it must have been a year ago. He, was, uh, he saw a story on Twitter that Malala, the lady from Afghanistan, lives in the UK, had been killed by fallen, falling space debris outside the United Nations in New York. And he said, I wasn't sure, Dad, if it was true. I said, why did you think it might be true? He said, well, uh, Elon Musk had actually tweeted uh, with an exclamation mark as a response. So I said, well, so what did you do? What did you do to find out? He goes, well, guess what? I Googled, I Googled her name. <laughs> and I knew that if the story wasn't in the top three Google, response, Google stories, then it wasn't true. And so the key in terms of trust is probably not 
whether the things are sitting in Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, but more if it's picked up by the Herald or by the Australian or by Google. Google's even harder because it's an algorithm that you're not in control of. But if things are actually picked up in there, then that's where you're going to see that can really impact reputation. And if you think about, they talk about social impacting reputation, it's often when traditional media pick it up. So the relationships with them, to be able to check with you a story when they're going to pick it up, is going to be key to build reputation. The same with building positive. You know, to get really positive news, make sure, yes, you could get it on your Facebook page, but if you can get it into the Google algorithm, that's actually going to have a greater impact probably on reputation because it's trusted as opposed to maybe someone else retweeting it on, on Twitter. And just one thing, of course, there's a difference by age. I showed you the whole lot there. If we look at millennials, those who are uh, pre-millennials, in other words, they're born before millennials, so they're 38 or above. Uh, interestingly, when I went and did this research, millennials go right through to 37. It's, uh, I, I thought they were much younger, but uh, it's actually a much bigger age group. What you see for the pre-millennials, so those of us who are a little older, CNN has a positive trust, so plus 21. Uh, Twitter's at negative 45, insert negative 38. But check, check the 18 to 21 year olds. They trust Twitter and Insta more than they do CNN. Right? So imagine in your, in your world, if you got a negative story on CNN or you got a negative story on Twitter, which one would you freak out more about? According to this, for the 18, 21 year olds, be more worried about the Twitter story than the CNN story. So you, you've, you know, it's so key for reputation because you don't have the resources or the finances to respond to everything every time. You have to pick and choose sometimes where the energy goes. Uh, and so having more of an understanding of where the trust, where the news story is trusted is going to be key. Okay. So let's have a look at companies. Companies are important. Why? Because you partner with them and they partner with you. And this is one of the few measures that we have the same metric for companies and for charities. So this was, the Q, this was Q1. So this was February, March last year. What I can say is all the top 20 charities in our list have reputations that were higher than Air New Zealand. Uh, and all of the charities on our list, I think, were higher than around the 20th or 25th ranked company. Uh, what you can see is CBA had started to take a hit because they'd had the Austrac investigation. But the other banks were holding up pretty well. The announcement of a Royal Commission really didn't have much of an impact. Uh, and Qantas was sitting there. Toyota's been up there uh, for ages. Australian Super, interesting, as a super funds are very well respected and haven't been brought in. Let's jump to Q4. So Qantas jumps up. Qantas always does better in Q4. I think as people have planned their holidays, maybe before they've had any negative experiences, it's like it's really great. Uh, but have a, look at those, have a look at those bottom ones. A&P, CBA, ANZ, Westpac, NAV. All move, all move down the bottom. Uh, the challenge for them, and probably the challenge for this sector, is they are, their scores are significantly down on that citizenship dimension for them. Are they providing a positive impact on the community? But what I've been saying to them is, in the good times, if you're up here, it's about what's the extra value you provide the community, the extra benefit. When your industry has struggled so much, it's actually not about whether you help another organization. People think their core product is harming people. Take energy. If we thought on that 37 degree day early this week, there's a group of elderly Australians getting dehydrated because they can't afford their, to turn on their air conditioning. It doesn't matter how many good things AGL Origin and EA do with junior sport. I'm like, no, your core thing is hurting people. So I think for those of you potentially partnered with them, 
the challenge is that it's got to be they've got to actually work out how they can say that banking is not bad and not hurting people and the second thing is that view they all have this view that trust is gone in the community which as i said earlier i think is incorrect is that they've created a very conservative nature of doing anything at the moment so uh i think take the data feel free to speak your mind and ask them to check their brand trackers their reputation trackers they've got the data but they're not reading it because that sits in research and they're reading the Fin Review or they're, or they're chatting around with their friends who's telling them trust is gone. So I think look at, get them to look at the data and that might open it up a, a little bit. Uh, and finally, the importance of leadership uh, for businesses. Right? So this is for businesses. Uh, and we saw if we go back to the four major banks, back in 2016, 11% of reputation was built on views of their leadership and their vision. That is now up to 16%. You, it may not sound like much, but that's almost a 50% increase in the importance of who's running these organizations. Are they good people? And are they actually making the right decisions for the right reason? And you saw the response to the, you know, in fact, the Royal Commission calling out the CEO and the response that, you know, we can't just remove one and people will just carry on. We've seen that focus on who is the leader is key. And I think for those of you partnering, they're hearing this message loud and clear. How do we involve our CEO and it's got to be authentic. It can't be a photo op because that isn't going to work. But over a long period of time, how can we involve our senior execs in, in showing their human side, if I can call it that? And clearly, those of you that partner, getting them involved and actually having them uh, working with you and, and not just signing a check is going to be key. So opportunities you can provide them to do it, as I said, authentic, not a PR stunt. But, and it may be that they need to do a year to 18 months working quietly before they even talk about it. But that clearly will make a difference in terms of building their reputation. And you could provide a lot of those opportunities for them if they feel connected to the cause that they've at their companies have, have partnered with. Uh, and so we ran, I think I presented last year, uh, we created a CEO rep track to look at how do you trust a CEO. And we looked at four areas. There, are they perceived to be leaders? Are they influential in government policy, for example? Are they responsible, behave ethically, care about social issues? And are they effective managers? What we did was we have the global results, which we'd collected. What you hadn't seen was the Australian results. They're exactly the same. What is most important for me trusting a CEO? <coughs> Acts responsibly, behaves ethically, cares about social causes. You're there. You're perfectly placed to tap into that. And I would say the other thing I've been saying to organizations is, I believe that companies should have a two-stream CSR policy. One is, who does the company partner with? And that needs to link to their business. And the second one is, what does the CEO do that they're connected to personally and actually build their own profile and build their own connection? And it may be different. And so I would think that over time, you're gonna see CEOs wanting to connect with you maybe at a personal level to join help not just by money, but putting in some of their time. And we saw that with, you know, whether it's a social issue of Alan Joyce when he supported the plebiscite, that was not a Qantas issue. That was him and obviously relevant and authentic for him to talk about it and has helped build his, you know, the trust and authenticity in him. So I think you, you might see senior business leaders reaching out and saying, this is a cause that's close to me because someone in my family had a particular illness or I'm an immigrant and I want to help people who are coming to this country. How do I get involved? What can I do? It's not a sponsorship, but clearly for your organizations, having those people involved 
will be, uh, I think, in the long term will be positive because they will bring people with to actually provide, uh, provide help. So just to sum up uh, each of the key, key points, I think remind people of that quote right at the beginning. The more things change in some areas, the more they stay the same. Things aren't as different as everybody thinks. The world is not completely different to 10 years ago. Uh, understand where trust has not and has been lost. It has in some cases. I showed you that banking result. It hasn't in others. Use the data. Don't rely on just, I guess, sentiment or feedback from, from some media articles. Uh, I said little, little emphasis from uh, benefit from emphasizing the age, unless you link it to, as you did in your introductory speech, about the benefit, what you've done over those 60 years. That clearly is very powerful. But it can't just be, we've been here a long time, therefore we must be, we must be good. Uh, and sometimes organizations do that. They talk more about the age than what they've done over that time period. Uh, beware of news that jumps from less trusted social media to more trusted traditional sources. That's that Twitter to Google. Uh, and be aware of the increased importance of leadership for corporates and how you can actually, uh, I guess, how you can utilize that in your, in, in your work with them. And then the last one, uh, I think, you know, the more you can understand what these guys have done uh, is fantastic. And, you know, what you have seen is not huge ad campaigns. I know you're going to talk a little bit about that. It, it doesn't require spending millions and millions of dollars. It's doing it right again and again and again. Uh, and we're going to hear a little bit, uh, a little bit about that. Uh, so I wanted to just end with, uh, with the last quote, which was, uh, associate with those of good quality if you esteem your own reputation, for it is better to be alone than in bad, bad company. So uh, I, I put it, first of all, to say that uh, for me, it's much better being here sometimes for our reputation to be around all the people in this room, uh, as opposed <laughs> to the boardrooms around Australia. So maybe we should be alone a little bit more. Uh, but uh, just to say to thanks to uh, Heart Foundation, RFDS, involved in, in, in this, to... Uh, and everyone here. Really, the work you do in the community is unbelievable. Uh, I know as an office, we, uh, we love this particular project. We love doing it because we feel we can, uh, we can give back a little bit. Uh, and uh, really just you know, a, a thanks uh, on behalf of uh, everyone for all the great work you do. And you know, while some may rank 38 and some may rank you know, two or three, all of those reputations remain strong and you do have the trust of the community and you know uh, you continue to use that and build that going forward so thank you uh, Oliver, movement in faith-based charities mm -hmm. over the last few years with all the various things that have come out. Would you like to comment? Yeah, I think we around the Royal, around the Royal Commission uh, at the time, we definitely, it, it, we definitely saw the Salvation Army. Uh, it, was, it was more them than some of the others, but they definitely seemed to be somewhat of a trend down. Uh, it, it seems, if I, if I think about the list there, has, has generally recovered. Uh, has generally recovered, and they're still not low, uh, but I think it goes to needing to continue to show the benefit they provide to the broader community. I think it's in, that, that's one of the challenges if it's seen to be very narrow among the broader population, that, that can be challenging for the, for the broad population as a whole. But we, we didn't, I thought we might see it like quite a big drop, but it seems that it was more specific to an organization that was called out during that Royal Commission or for a particular event there was less, I guess, movement across the board to just put everybody in the same, in the same group. And I would say that 
it's something we've seen with reputational crises. The community are better than I would expect at not just uh, linking everybody, painting everyone with the same brush. So I look at the financial services within corporates and Suncorp's held up okay. ING's actually gone up. Uh, uh, you know, even St. George, even though it's part of Westpac, is only down a little bit. So I think the community are pretty good at actually going, okay, this is an issue that's been aimed with this particular organization and I'm going to lose my trust in them. But I'm not just going to paint the whole sector that they're part of if I haven't heard anything, assuming those people had some sort of reputation coming in. So if I knew them before, I don't automatically drop them. However, if it's someone I've never heard of, that's going to be a, a, a different story. That would be my general response to that. Lindsay, Although, uh, I noticed that the, in the top five there, you've got people who are actually service providers, if you like, as opposed to people doing research or support or whatever else. And uh, I'm just intrigued with regard to St John's Ambulance mm -hmm. as to how that works out, whereas in some states St John's Ambulance is the ambulance service. Whereas in New South Wales, it's a totally mm -hmm. different service that they provide. Does that impact their reputational measure? I think, I think to the first point, the service providers, it's easier to see the impact of, of that uh, for people on the street. It's easier to actually see the impact of what they're doing. Uh, research is more challenging. Uh, for some, it's almost like you, you look back and you go, wow, that research made a, di made a difference and you found it. But I think it, it's harder. So again, when you look through that 40, it, it may not be feasible for everybody to be in the same spot. So I think you've got to look at that. I think that's a really good point. In terms of St. John's Ambulance, it will make a difference. And partly it will be visibility of, of seeing those people out and about. And, and also, there'll also be misattribution sometimes in terms of people knowing what, what they actually do or what they don't do. And we see that a, a fair bit when we look at the two breast uh, cancer charities. There's huge confusion. There's a lot of people who think McGrath does a huge amount of research. They don't do any, they don't, there's nothing about research at all. Uh, they, they, but they also get a lot of people associating with Pink Ribbon. Pink Ribbon has nothing to do with them, it's NBCF. So I, I think as you dig down in the data, part of these are perceptions. So when we work with organizations, it's always to say, if you have a great reputation, you need to make sure that it's not built on misperceptions. Yes. Uh, my classic case in the corporate space was Johnson & Johnson. Great reputation, went into their offices to present the great news in, uh, in New Jersey, and I had glum faces, senior management. And I, asked them, I said, sorry, this is good news, you did great. What's they said, yeah, but our reputation is built on uh, baby products, and that's what people think we do. But 90% of our revenue is from pharmaceutical drugs, which they hate us for. So we've got a reputation built on something that isn't real. And therefore, how do we deal with that situation? Because if people become aware of what we do, then actually it could risk. So how do we, it's a sort of pre-talcum powder issue. But, uh, but, but I think you know, when, we, when we do this, you have to look and say, do people actually understand what you do? And is the reputation, is there stuff you need to communicate? Or are there actually some risks to that as well? So I think St. John's would be any of those also that are, operate independently in each state. We just measure it as one organization nationally, but clearly they also can operate slightly differently in each state, which uh, you could start to look at the data cut by that as well. Cool. Marie, and then Right, thanks, Oliver. Thanks. Um, do, what about, did you measure social enterprises and where they fit in and how they, uh, you know, how, how their reputation? Yeah, so I haven't, so I, ha I haven't done that here. Uh, we, 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 we talk a lot about, you know, 
additional lists. Uh, you know, as, as, uh, as I said to you before, uh, we've done some work looking at universities, where universities sit. What I can tell in terms of universities, it generally goes not-for-profits, universities, corporates. It's, universities sit between the two, roughly. But there's, a, there's quite a wide range in there. Uh, and there's what's really interesting is you have quite a big difference between community and business. Community is still more positive towards those more traditional ones, who are you know the older ones they've heard about. You know, the business community are obviously more focused on whether those graduates are actually they're trained and ready for work, and less on the research. So, I think you know if if, if there are groups that people would like us to measure, we do we do this we do study every quarter. So uh, we're always looking for something interesting to do, and maybe then uh, you know, come back and talk about results on something else. So happy to happy to have a chat and see if we can do something. Really? And then we'll go to you, and then yeah. we'll introduce Lana, or else Yes. We'll... Thank you. Uh, then we draw social cohesion. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot of apathy on corporate. How can we overcome this obstacle? So, it's, say, social cohesion. cohesion. Yeah. You're saying the corporates are trying, uh, are trying to create it, or? No. Yeah. Apathy. Yeah, I think... Because in the end, in the end, there is the interesting thing will be whether the Royal Commission really does change the culture in any way. Having having worked in them, having been in there, their focus is still very much on the profit line at the end of the day. The shareholders are still, for most, that number one. There's the odd few organisation that that really comes you know comes through that. So when they look at these partnerships, they're still looking at it from their model. How do I build trust so that I can build? more customers. I was sitting somewhere yesterday in an organization and they're like, look, I love all this. I believe it. I think it's great. But what's the link to getting more customers in our store? <laughs> right? And it's always, I believe this is important, but it's, it's how do I get more people to spend money with me? And until, until they start to have a longer term view on life beyond the next quarter or even the next year, it, it's going to be really challenging. But the effects of the Banking Royal Commission has shaken people to its core there, because partly because it gets to the chance of criminal. And so what they're seeing is, if we had a better reputation, if we're able to build it, if we make a mistake, people will believe us, uh, and we can actually have a chance to, to repair. So I think we, we just did a bit of research that showed roughly a quarter of Australians want a Royal Commission into everybody. They, they, they think it's great. They like this idea into just, you know. Go get them, right? Now, some of you, some of you have been through Royal Commission uh, and know how tough it is. And you speak to them; they were exhausted. Every person bank I spoke to last year was just exhausted at the end of last year. But there is that sense of how do we get people to be accountable, and that that is the real push in terms of social cohesion. I, I think I think we can hope and we can work towards it, but I actually think it's I, I think it's it's a fair way off uh, at at this point in time in terms of corporates really being focused on that. I think they're going to be focused on their own, you know, it's still on their reputation uh, and it's, I think it's about finding partners to help them uh, build that long-term trust. One more. One we'll last go. question. Hey, Oliver. Hi. You touched on visibility before in regards to services, mm -hmm. but I'm just wondering what you think about visibility in general, I suppose specifically advertising when it comes to, obviously advertising helps in terms of people knowing mm -hmm. about you. But how much do you think that connects to reputation? Because obviously, everyone has different budgets around that. Correct. I'm really curious. So one of the things we do here is we have a familiarity question up the front. Yeah. How familiar are you? 
those who are very or somewhat familiar, it's among that group that then rate the organization. Yeah. So in essence, we control for familiarity when we look at reputation. We say those who don't know you, they don't think badly of you, they just don't know you. It's a blank canvas. And so that's why, if you did a top of mind, which charity has the best reputation, Salvation Army would be number one. No doubt about it. You see a lot of those things, they, because the awareness and top of mind is so high. And so what we've done is we've said, as you, everyone has different budgets, everyone has different levels of familiarity, and just because someone's not familiar doesn't mean they're negative towards you. And so from my perspective, reputation is among the people that know you, what's your reputation? What's the risk if you have a great reputation and low familiarity? That a negative event would create, you, those people with no opinion would very quickly become negative because there's no history, there's no, there's no trust foundation for them. Whereas another organization that has 90% familiarity, a negative event may not have the same immediate impact because there's, there's, there's a foundation of trust there. So I think that's, it, it's a choice and it's based on resources available. But when we look at it, we say, let's, let's take familiarity out of the equation. Look, among people who know you, are you trusted, admired, and respected? Okay. Well, we may cut this part of the presentation there, please.